Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast. The Sooners Extra Podcast is presented by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. I'm Ryan Aber, uh, your host as always here on the Sooners Extra Podcast, along with fellow beat writer Abby Bitterman. And uh, Ab- Abby, Oklahoma, set to play uh, TCU at 7 o'clock on, on Saturday night, Oklahoma's final regular season home game, final home game. I guess there's no such thing as a postseason home game nope. in this, uh, this sport. But uh, senior day on Saturday, and uh, we're, we're writing about a couple of these players that have had big-time impacts. Uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit about your story uh, starting off. Tell us a little bit about who you're writing about for, for Friday's Oklahoman and uh, the impact that he's had on this team. Yeah, I'm writing about uh, par- – oops, I kicked my laptop. I'm writing about Parnell Motley. Um, you know, he – uh, he's had a big impact on the Sooners secondary in the last few years, had a really kind of up and down time for a while, has made some really big plays and kind of like the Sooners defense at other times has really struggled. But these last few weeks, he's been a big, important part of the Sooners defense, you know, uh, saving them on that two point conversion play against Iowa state, forcing that fumble against Baylor. Um, and so he has kind of just, um, and I mean, Deshaun White said it on Monday night that, you know, he has matured a lot even in just this last year. Um, and he's kind of he's kind of said that about himself too. So I, for Friday's Oklahoma, and I'm just writing about, you know, Parnell Motley's, Parnell Motley's up and down career and how it kind of seems to be ending on a high note for him. Yeah, you know, I, I thought what Deshaun White said was interesting. The, mm-hmm. the answer that he had not just that Parnell Motley grew up. I mean, you expect some level of maturity from, from year to year, but sort of how far that process has taken Parnell Motley mm-hmm. because he, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm the one who talked to Deshaun White a little bit about <laughs> this, uh, he, he said that last year Parnell Motley was obviously a key player on the defense, but he wasn't that real big vocal leader, yeah. that big yeah. leader on this defense. And uh, he's become that this year. And this is, that's something that this defense needed. They, they had Kenneth Murray even last year. Kenneth Murray was a, a big-time leader in that group. But they don't, they, what they didn't have was that dynamic leader on the back end of the defense in the secondary to, to really rally those guys and, and push them in the right direction. They got a lot of young talent uh, back there. Guys like Delarian Turner, Yell, uh, Brendan Radley, Hiles, and and Pat Fields, and and on and on, but they didn't have that veteran leader, and now it seems like they do. And Parnell Motley's playing. I don't think there's any doubt the best ball of his OU career. Yeah, definitely. Um, who are you writing about, Ryan? Yeah, I'm I'm going on the other side of the ball and and writing about Lee Morris. You know, it was difficult. We generally try to write about a senior for for senior day and uh, the the pregame section that day and and focus on one of those guys while touching on a little bit of everybody. But to me, there's no player – well, I say that. There's two players, both receivers, who sort of uh, epitomize what hard work is all about, you know, how important that is, and sort of that team-first concept and – 
one of them's Lee Morris, who, like I said, I'm, I'm writing about and the job he, he did arriving at OU as a, a walk-on wasn't, I don't think there's a lot of people who expected him to do much of anything. Although Lincoln Riley said that when he was at Allen high school down in Texas to recruit Kyler Murray, that the coaches were really trying to sell him on Lee Morris and Oklahoma had a really good group of receivers at that point. They knew about the family connections with his father, you know, playing at OU and, and growing up in, in the Oklahoma city area. They just, couldn't quite find a spot for him, but really wanted him. Lincoln Riley was surprised that no no other program had, had pursued Lee Morris in a big-time way, and they get him, and he's just been phenomenal for them. And it's not only you know what you've seen on the field, especially the last two years, being Kyler Murray's favorite target, and then, uh, then this year emerging as a big-time guy here late in the season as, as Grant Calcaterra has been out. But it's the special teams contributions that he's made for really the last three years. And it's not just one group. It's pretty much across the board. He's, he's sort of like their jack-of-all-trades and, and does a little bit of everything, hardly ever comes off the field. And the way he's handled that is why I think on Saturday he's going to be at least one of two guys Oh, big to, agree. to get the Don Key Award. Absolutely. I think that those that – I mean, there's, to me yeah. there's two obvious ones. Yes, I assume the other one is Nick Basquin that you're oh, thinking yeah. of. I, mean, I think I, Lee Morris and Nick Basquin are almost like a lock to get it. I would be shocked. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if those guys at least don't share it together. You know, we'll see if like Kenneth Mann or Parnell Motley gets in there. But to me, those two, Motley or uh, Morris and Basquin, just sort of, again, epitomize the, the story that we've seen so often at Oklahoma about a guy coming in, not being recruited and, and growing into, I don't, don't know if you'd call either of those guys a star, but really, really good players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've done that. Basquin, obviously a, a, a local kid, played at Norman North, went through a couple of big-time injuries during the course of his career, but was able to fight through those and is now having a, a pretty significant impact. And – of course, um, and we we won't touch on this too much because I, I know it's a, a tough family dynamic there. But Nick Basquin's father, you know, did play uh, at Oklahoma, but his mom will be representing representing him uh, during senior day, and uh, I know that uh, she's just beyond thrilled at uh, the way that things have turned out for him. I, I remember doing a story, just a. Well, I did a story on Nick Basquin um, when he started making an impact, but then doing a story on on him when he got the scholarship and the the emotion that his mom felt when she got that call, the emotion that Nick felt uh, making that call and, and telling her was just off the charts. And, uh, you know, there'll be a lot of tears, I'm sure, on Saturday amongst all the senior day uh participants but um probably no one more than than those two just because of the road that they've taken to to get to where they are yeah and i mean i almost i don't know they're two guys who are like oh like to for me i was like oh they're still they're still around and so they've been they've been kind of like the 
kind of the fixtures of the OU OU offense just kind of, you know, I, I can't think of the word that I'm trying to use, <laughs> so I'm just going to move on. But, no, they've definitely um, played I mean, a big definitely. role in their senior spot as uh, – uh, uh, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> my, sorry, I'm distracted by my cat drinking my water, even though she has her own. <laughs> but, um, oh, to go back, though, to something you were saying about Lee Morris before, since I'm struggling with words today, apparently, um, he was talking on – uh, Tuesday night about how you know before when he was in high school and stuff he didn't really care about special teams and it wasn't that important to him but now like um, you know since he's since he does all four special teams groups for the Sooners he's kind of realized how important it can be and you know kind of grown to really enjoy playing special teams yeah which and- I mean I think we all forget how important special teams can be until you see like a really big special teams play or things come down to um, a special teams play like they have for OU in a few of their more recent games. Yeah, and uh, yeah, those those two guys have been uh, f- phenomenal in the way that they've handled things and uh, going to be really cool to see them uh, – sent out on on Saturday against TCU and and have a chance to go through that it will be interesting to see if they how how much they split the Don Key award mm-hmm. which which honors an, an inspirational senior uh, for Oklahoma who sort of uh you know sets the tone for the group and uh it, like I said it's hard to see either one of those guys not be included in that but uh we're going to take a break there we're going to come back in the next segment, we're going to talk uh, about the, some of the other seniors on the team and uh, what they meant, including a couple guys who are not going to be going through Senior Day festivities. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan Aber, along with Abby Bitterman, and this is the Sooners Extra Podcast, presented by Zach. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. I'm Ryan Aber along with Abby Bitterman once again. And, uh, Abby, the first segment we specifically spent talking about two Oklahoma seniors, Lee Morris and Nick Basquin. Let's talk about some of the other ones. Uh, even though he's only been here for one year, not even one year at this point, I think you've got to start with Jalen Hurts and the, the job that he's done. Oklahoma's newest senior. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's no doubt that he's – come in and you know I mean it's hard not to make a big impact when you're the quarterback but um and especially in some of these in some of the games really become more and more of a sooner as kind of even he said um so yeah like it's wild that Jalen Hurts has been here for for like 10 months and it's already his senior day yeah, that's uh, you know how it works sometimes, but uh, he's been phenomenal uh, to to this point, and um, you know there's been some issues with with ball security and things like that, uh, decision making at times. But Jalen Hurts has been fantastic. There's a reason why he's got a chance still, I think, to to make it to New York as one of the finalists. I think LSU's. Joe Burrow is going to win the Heisman Trophy, but I think so uh, too. You know, barring something disastrous, but um, you know, Hertz has been everything 
that Oklahoma could have wanted there um, after they got him from Alabama. Um, you know, we talked about Motley. We talked about uh, uh, Lee Morris and, and Nick Basquin. Uh, another receiver who's a senior is A.D. Miller, which is really interesting. You know, this is a guy who's played a pretty good amount of games. He started his fair share. He started a mm-hmm. few this year. Um, but it just he's never been a guy who's made just a, a massive impact, although he's had a, been a part of a very impactful play during his time in Norman, uh, the game at Tennessee a few years ago where he draws a pass interference call that helped keep OU in that game, helped get the game into overtime, which Oklahoma eventually won. Um, so, uh, you know, an interesting road for A.D. Miller, especially over the last year when he decided to transfer, had transferred to Illinois, and then decided to come back to finish his career. So um, just a sort of a different kind of uh, career for him. Yeah, and then, you know, another senior, an award-winning senior, <laughs> who will be leaving uh, the Sooners after this year is quarterback Connor McGinnis, or we should really just say holder Connor McGinnis, Former winner, well, previous winner of the holder of the year. Yeah, and he's he's going for that again and has a good shot of it, thanks to uh, one Gabe Burkich. He's a semifinalist. Because so. to be the holder of the year, you got to have a good kicker because you're not, otherwise you're not going to get recognized. So, uh, you know, Connor McGinnis is a guy who's a local guy, played at Heritage Hall in Oklahoma City and did, uh, I, you know, I could see him being a, one of those Don Key guys as well. Because he came in, wanted to be a quarterback, you know, sort of thought that, hey, if I just put my head down and play hard, then I'll get a chance there. Well, it turns out Baker Mayfield shows up, and then Kyler Murray shows up, and he very quickly realized that there was not going to be a path for him to play quarterback for the Sooners, but instead of one pouting about it two transferring which you couldn't have blamed him for transferring um this is a guy who had a lot of success but instead of doing that what he does is tries to carve out a niche for himself which was his, uh, the holder and it's just been phenomenal in that role you know he very easily could have got the older a year award last year uh you know it's something that gets overlooked unless it there's disaster but Nobody's handled that role, I think, any better than Connor McGinnis over the last uh, few years. Yeah, and I mean, I I wrote this up the other day, but the all academic teams came out, and you know, Connor McGinnis has um, had a four point His, I think, his entire career at OU, if I'm not I, mistaken, I believe that's correct. Yes. He definitely has a 4.0 right now, according to what Uh, we were sent. But I believe he's had a 4.0 this whole time. Yeah, and I got to ask Casey Kelleher, the snapper, about that, about Connor McGinnis and his personality and everything like that. And he said, well, if you could get more than a 4.0, Connor would get it because, in his words, he's a genius. So, um, he – Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, whenever I think about Connor McGinnis, I think about two things. Mm -hmm. The first is – that video that they made when he was a finalist for the holder of the year, the year he won it, where it was just like him and Austin and uh, Wesley Horky like going around <laughs> campus and they'd like snap him things and he would hold them 
in like mm-hmm. holding form. And then is the other the other is the time I asked him if he'd ever seen Ace Ventura Pet Detective and he had no idea what I was talking about. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I believe that there's a foundation associated with the holder of the year award and each uh, winner, which I think is a really cool thing about this award, which mm-hmm. completely started off as a joke. If you don't know the backstory about how the, is it Pete Mortel? Yes. Uh, holder of the year award happened. Basically, Mortel sees the All Big Ten. He's Minnesota snapper, if I'm not mistaken. Sees the All Big Ten teams come out and calls somebody in the in the Minnesota Athletic Department and said, hey, make me a card that says holder of the year with my picture on it so I can tweet it out. And he did, and it sort of blossomed beyond the Big Ten, and he named himself the national holder of the year. Uh, just was sort of joking about there not being a holder of the year award created this award and has grown it from something that's started off as a joke to now it's uh, named, I think it's on the like pre-show show on the uh, Home Depot uh, college football awards. It's definitely somewhere in part of it. Yeah, I think it's, I think before the show they give out a couple of the awards like on the red carpet or something like that. Uh, or at I least th- they I did. really thought that last year they gave it out like in the show. Well, maybe they did. Um, but the, the point is it's become an actual award. But along with the award, it, there's also a charitable element. And, you know, to come back to what you were talking about, I think the foundation, and I can't remember if it's Mortel's foundation or uh, the one that McGinnis started to help his specific um, charity – but was called the Laces Out Foundation. So, yes. So, somebody has seen Ace Ventura. Somebody. (laughs) Just not him, I guess. Well, no. I mean, maybe he's seen it by now. Maybe. Maybe you uh, inspired him to see it. Maybe. It's a great movie. It is a great movie. But, um, uh, you know, just real quickly, wanted to touch on a couple of the other seniors uh, on this group, I think uh, defensively, you've got to talk about uh, several defensive linemen, three defensive linemen, um, Neville, well, four really. Uh, that's going to be a group that Oklahoma is going to miss some of those guys, but I think you've got to start with Neville Gallimore. Uh, he's been, I think, Oklahoma's best defensive player. I think you probably say that Kenneth Murray might have overtaken him this year, although that's because of Kenneth Murray's taking steps, not because Neville Gallimore is taking steps backward because he's been a- as good as he's been at any point during his career. But here's a guy who uh, hasn't gotten a lot of love but was put in a really good situation this year and has taken advantage of it. I'm sorry, who did you say? Uh, Neville Gallimore. Yes, okay, I thought we, we had We can tell who's on. listening over here. <laughs> I thought we had moved on from Neville Gallimore. That's my bad, no, but he's really um, been been a strong point for Oklahoma on the defensive line this season. And, I mean, also another guy who – there are so many options for the Don Key Award this year. Yeah, I just – I mean, I think when you look at all of the criteria of it, um, I could see – Gallimore getting it for sure, but to me, if you don't give it to Morrison Basquin, just, oh yeah, just stop oh no, I, I completely, I completely agree. But just a lot of guys in this senior class who have been here for a long time and kind of you know done 
done everything right and had to maybe like really work for their opportunities or work to improve. Yeah. Uh, an, another guy like Basquin that's been through a lot of injuries in his career, but overcome them and, and become a pretty solid player. Uh, Marquez Overton from, from Jinx. Uh-huh. Uh, people just call him Q. I think a lot of people mispronounced his name, including me <laughs> for a long time, but Marquez. Uh, uh, he, he's done a really good job up there. I think he's taken massive steps forward this year with the job he's done on the front. He's allowed Neville Gallimore to get some breaks at times, and that's made both of them better. Um, uh, two more defensive linemen that uh, are guys that haven't got you know, a, a ton of attention. Um, Dylan Faamatau, one of the great names, one of the great hairdos yep. in all of college great football. Great tattoo. I don't know if I know about tattoos, but didn't you Got when a, you were at the Daily? I, well, I don't know if you did it, but I know there was a tattoo. Okay. Was it you? The yep, tattoo I did project? it. It was, oh, now I believe it's a tiger, but it could be a lion. Yeah, but no, he just had his cousin, like he was like, he was a tattoo artist, just draw a tattoo, like whatever he wanted. And I forget which big cat it was, but it's either a lion or a tiger. And it's just because it's what he he thought of. Very cool. Um, and then Kenneth Mann, who unfortunately suffered a career-ending or season-ending uh, injury a few weeks ago. But, um, you know, he's been a guy who's played a lot of football for this team. Mm-hmm. Started one game this year, played in a few. Uh, played in five, I think, five or six uh, this year. But um, it'll be his final game. Let's see, the other seniors. Well, let's talk about two that are listed as seniors, but – who, who are, not. Are, are not going to go through senior day activities, it looks like. Uh, Caleb Kelly and Mark Jackson Jr. Uh, Kelly was, I think, pretty well expected that he was going to redshirt this year and come back. He's uh, come back from his injury, uh, which, is, which was, is thought to be a torn ACL, I think faster than pretty much everybody had expected. He's right on the brink of being able to play. But, we uh, thought he might have gone in the other day. Yeah, we thought he was stretching. One, one time when it looked like Deshaun White might have been ejected for targeting, that uh, we could see Caleb Kelly. The targeting was overturned, and uh, Caleb never made it into a game. But at this point, the only way he plays in more than four games is if he plays every game from here on out, and Oklahoma makes it to the national championship game, which. Uh, you know, I think if OU's lucky enough to make it in the national championship game, then you know maybe you hope you've held him out at some point, whether it's in the next couple of weeks. But it looks like Caleb Kelly is going to be back, which is something we expected. Mark Jackson, though, was a little bit more of a surprise that uh, he's not going to go through senior day, and there's a chance that he comes back. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, with I think that with Caleb Kelly, you know, even though Lincoln Riley's been saying for the past few weeks that, you know, he's – He's ready, he's close, he's ready. I think that just because of the impact he can have for the Sooners and because of who they're losing on the defense, it's. I think it's. it's been a smart decision to keep that red shirt year intact. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he plays if he comes in. I think, uh, you know, obviously he's been a linebacker for most of his career, but, you know, would they say try to try him if Buki struggles at the nickelback spot because he's got the body – to be able to do something like that. So that'll be interesting uh, to follow with Caleb Kelly. 
Mark Jackson is a guy who only has one game left to be able to play, I think. I think mm-hmm. he's played in three. Yes. Um, including last week against Baylor, got some time in Surprise. there. Surprise. Uh, so Mark Jackson's a guy who's played in a lot of football games, started for a good chunk of last season before uh, uh, dropping off a little bit after Mike Stoops' is firing, got himself in the doghouse in the offseason uh, by Lincoln Riley's own admission but fought his way back, and they really like him. But I think because of the timing, when he got back to where they felt like he could play a a decent role, that they've held him out, and it looks like now that there's a good chance he redshirts and comes back for one more year. Yep. Is that that all the seniors? Well, there uh, were a couple – let's see, the couple more that we didn't mention, um, a couple walk-ons, Robert Charlton – and Clayton Woods um, haven't played a, a ton, either of those guys, but always uh, interesting to see those guys who went through the walk-on uh, lifestyle, the walk-on route, and are able to uh, make it all the way through because a lot of times those guys don't hang around for all four years. R.J. Proctor, the transfer offensive lineman uh, yes. from uh, Virginia, is the other one. Uh, R.J. has wound up playing a pretty decent role in that offensive line last week. Was not a starter, but uh, when Oklahoma made the offensive push there uh, in the second half, it was with R.J. Proctor on the line as they uh, pulled out Eric Swenson and went with R.J. Proctor. So um, we'll see what his role is moving forward, but I wouldn't be surprised if he starts his final home game as a senior sooner on Saturday. Yeah, I just, I just, I love, I love a good senior day. I went I went through a bunch of them in high school last year when it was my last home game for the for the OU Daily. I jokingly said that it was like my senior day too. <laughs> 2 years ago now, we had a surprise and now here I am back again. 2 years ago there was a surprise proposal, you know. DJ Ward. Yep. So. If you were going to if you were going to pick a sooner to make a surprise proposal, who would it be? Well, uh, let's see. On this group Yes. Oh, gosh. Um, well, not Jalen Hurts. We know he wouldn't do something like that. I could see uh, – actually, I'm going to go with the guy you're writing about, Parnell Motley. I because think that – because, yes. we know he's got a long-term girlfriend who he even referred to, I believe, as his spouse – Yes, me, me, and uh, Vic from the OU Daily were standing next to each other, and we both kind of he called he like we asked him who was coming down, and he said his brother, his friend, and his spouse. And Vic and I kind of like were like, did he just say spouse? And then um, another reporter, Garen Emig from the Tulsa World, was like, did your spouse? <laughs> we didn't know you were married. And he was like, oh, she's just my girlfriend. I just I just call her that. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's – I think that I brought it up because – I brought up the question because I think that'd be my pick too, just based on the terminology yeah, they're using I, I already. Yeah, I think that's, a, that's an easy one. But we'll see if that happens. We're going to take a break there on the Sooners Extra podcast. Once again, the Sooners Extra podcast is presented by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Uh, if you could – please go to the Google Podcasts app or or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and uh, give us a review. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Sooners Extra Podcast.
Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here along with Abby Bitterman. And uh, Abby, let's talk a little bit about Saturday night and what to expect as far as uh, not necessarily the game. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff to go talk about in the game. I think Jalen Rager versus Oklahoma's secondary. Um, You know, TCU's defense, it's gotten a whole lot better. Um, obviously the stakes on on both sides as far as uh, OU still with uh, at least some CFP hopes. Uh, OU hoping to clinch a spot in the Big 12 title game with the win on Saturday and, and TCU fighting for bowl eligibility. But, you know, one of the big things on a couple weeks ago against Iowa State that stood out was the way that the stadium emptied during the second half of that game. And it started – uh, well, really started at halftime. There's been this, you know, you and cry among OU fans to get night games after a lot of 11 a.m. games early in the season. And then they get a night game and people don't show up or don't stick around, I guess. Yeah, it's, I think you could, I we talked about this last week, but you could tell that uh, that's something that made Lincoln Riley a little bit upset. I actually, I wonder, I wonder, how like if Lincoln Riley would ever go full Nick Saban about it um, and start like, I don't know, threatening to take people's tickets away or whatever Nick Saban did. But no, it'll be interesting to see if the OU fans stick around. I mean, OU's last two games have come down to really like the very end. So, you know, maybe that, maybe that gets some more people to stay, but I think OU fans are just, have become kind of accustomed to watching OU build these really big leads. And then once the lead seems big enough, okay, that's enough. We can go home now, which I don't know why that is, but it seems to be the attitude. Yeah. Although I, I, and I don't think you're wrong there that uh, that's been some of the attitude, but you know, I I think that a couple weeks ago it wasn't, now there was a, a segment of fans that were not, happy with the way things were going with the comeback. There's certainly probably a segment of fans who left thinking that the game was over. But I think it was just people not wanting to hang around till 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, and because the then you get stuck in traffic, and then you get home even later. But also, I don't know, why Why are you going to like complain about how you want a night game? And then there's a night game, and you're like, oh, but i got to get home to go to bed. Yeah, and I, I think part of it is the really vocal fans are the ones who want night games, and they're going to gripe about 11 a.m. They're going to gripe about not tailgating. They're going to gripe about you know having to wake up early and have breakfast uh, at the football game. But there's this big chunk of fans, and uh, also – some of those fans also hear what Lincoln Riley says about recruiting and that they want night games just from a recruiting schedule standpoint. And there is a big time atmosphere around night games when they start at least, but um, there's a massive chunk of fans who don't mind the 11 AM games all that much. They're just not the ones who are going to get on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else and complain about it. I don't mind an 11 AM game. I, don't mind an 11 a.m. game at all. 
especially now that I'm working one handed for a while because, uh, you know, we had this long stretch of 11 a.m. games before my surgery. And then I have surgery that takes out my right hand from the equation, right arm. And then all of a sudden we get this string of night games. Only 7 p.m. when you have one arm. Eh, we had one 630. Well, the same thing. Um, yes, it is, it's literally the same thing for us as far as the timing we have. But You know, though, OU hasn't had a single 230. Yeah, there were no afternoon games no, this year. No afternoon games for the Sooners in 2019. Yeah, it, it's nuts. It was either 11 a.m. or... Uh, or six, six or later, right? What time the season opener start? Was I believe six? six, yeah. So six or later. Um, so just a weird, weird season for the Sooners scheduling-wise. But uh should be a good atmosphere on Saturday night. Hopefully the weather will be nice. won't be too cold. Uh, I haven't even checked. Uh, is it supposed to rain? It's supposed to be 55 and sunny during the day. I don't know what that means for kickoff. Yeah. Let me go to weather.gov. Use use my one uh, use my one semester of meteorology and try to figure <laughs> that out. Abby's going to give us the forecast for for Saturday using uh, using that meteorology. Yes, because lessons. you because you have to be a um, meteorologist to read weather.gov. Yes, it's it's the law. <laughs> I don't make the law. All right, seven p.m. Saturday. Got to click submit. It won't go if you don't click submit. See? No, you've, you've so definitely got to click. The complexities to weather.gov. <laughs> All right. Temperature 46. The wind chill, it will feel like 44. Only a oh, five mile per hour wind out of the west. And less than a 10% chance of precipitation. Hey, I'll take it. For, for late November, uh, those temperatures, I'll uh, certainly take that. Clear skies. No Should be a beautiful night for a football game. Let's hope so, for for sure. We'll see uh, what happens down there Saturday. Um, Abby, let's take a second to uh, touch on our predictions, what we see going on not only down there in Norman, but around college football. Um, What'd you pick for for Saturday's game? I picked uh, OU to win uh, a little bit big. I have them winning 45 to 30. All right, and uh, I am trying to get my uh, picks pulled up. Oh, I can tell my, you. I, I've got it here. Oh, okay. Um, my pick picks grid decided to crash right when I was started saying that. Uh, I picked Oklahoma to win thirty-eight to twenty. I think that uh, Oklahoma is going to score a pretty fair amount of points. That's just right on not covering as uh, we picked at least against a 19-and-a-half-point spread. So we'll... Uh, oh, I don't think I picked them to cover because the spread's so big. I only have them winning by 15, so... Yeah. Which still, it seems like 15 should be a lot. All right, uh, Abby, I've got to ask you a technical thing and tell oh, you no. to put your cursor... Um, oh, sorry. ...somewhere <laughs> other than on the game that we're talking about because I can't see what your Oklahoma State pick is currently. My bad. Um... But uh, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, um, I picked Oklahoma State to win 35-14. to 14, I think the although, whole staff picked them to win. Uh, today's news about Spencer Sanders has me questioning that at least a little bit. 
Yep, I have them uh, 35-21. I think West Virginia scores more, one more touchdown than you think they do. But, yeah, no, that Spencer Sanders news, not great. Yeah, uh, what other games stood out to you with the uh, on the schedule this weekend? I think, obviously, the Penn State-Ohio State game yep. is something that a lot of people are going to be interested in, especially with the uh, ramifications for the college football playoff. Uh, you know, I think if you're an OU fan – you, I, that's a, a tough one. I'd probably say root for Ohio State and get Penn State out of the way and then hope against hope that something else happens here the next couple of weeks. But um, there's a more likely chance that if Penn State wins, that both of these teams become an impediment instead of just one. Yeah, I think that with teams like LSU and Ohio State and Clemson, you're better off hoping that that they just win out because, I mean, I, well, I don't really know who Clemson would lose to that would then become a contender. Well, but uh, like, yeah, Clemson is not going to – if Clemson loses, it's going to be to somebody who's nowhere near the race. But I'm saying like play, these – I can't remember who they play this week, but they'll play uh, South Carolina to end the regular yeah. season, and then they'll play, what, Virginia – probably or pit sure in the acc title game i don't even know honestly what the what the uh, acc that other division looks like right now but they're not gonna there's yeah. nobody else in the acc yeah. is the point but that's but, gonna make a playoff yeah push. but i guess what i was trying to say is you get to a point where like the top like three teams instead of trying to like hope that one of them loses and is out it's better off to just like hope that they win out yeah and then when they're facing somebody else's yes. contention like LSU and Georgia when they play in the SEC title game you want LSU to win because if Georgia wins LSU and Georgia both have arguments and Georgia would have a really good argument to stay in the in the top four um and LSU would certainly have one to to remain up there as well um I think if you're an OU fan obviously you want Auburn to beat Alabama next week um although I think that there'll be some contraction there between Alabama and the teams directly below them when it comes to big t- to championship weekend just because Alabama has no real shot at uh, making the SEC title game uh, which obviously isn't held against them now but it will be held against them here in a few weeks when those other teams do play and also no Tua and yeah and also no Tua which makes me much more likely to think that Auburn's going to win that game so uh Let's see. What what else interesting? Uh, Kansas, Iowa State, nothing too intriguing about that. I think all of us expect Cyclones. Iowa State uh, to roll in that one. Um, I think all of us picked Ohio State to win relatively comfortably. We sure did. Over Penn State. I think maybe the one uh, dissenter on that a little bit was Barry, who picked uh, OSU, the other OSU, to win by 10 uh, over the Nittany Lions. Uh, with a 17-and-a-half-point uh, spread, but he still thinks that the Buckeyes are going to win. Um, Texas, Texas Baylor. Texas and Baylor is an interesting one. This week, um, inside the Big 12, what do you think? What do you, you, does, does Baylor um, recover from what happened last week and beat a Texas team that's really struggling, or – does what happened last week push Baylor into a little bit more of a tailspin and a Texas team that's got really talented that hasn't shown it on the field much lately takes advantage? I think it's 
Um, well, I picked Baylor because I think it's more of a combination of, you know, Baylor wanting to bounce back um, after after giving up their 25-point lead and a Texas team that, that definitely has struggled. I mean, they lost last weekend to Iowa State. They're not – they're – they are not who people thought they would be. No, and, and to me the most concerning thing about the Longhorns' performance recently is that it's their offense that struggled. Yes. Uh, you did not expect Sam Ellinger's group to, to be the one that, that struggled, especially with DuVernay and a lot of the other talent that they've got around him. So that's certainly disappointing for the Longhorns. Uh, Ellen, but be careful. It, it, no, she's good. It, it makes – Makes me think that Baylor's going to win this game, though, because uh, Texas has had a lot of injuries defensively, as we've talked about a few times. And uh, I just think Baylor's a little bit better, especially on the defensive side. You know, the other game this weekend that uh, – well, two other games that really intrigued me, um, and you can talk about one of them if you want to, Abby. Uh, SMU at Navy – there, these are two really good teams, especially Navy's favorite, the favorite, and I don't think anyone picked them. So, yeah, I really struggled with it. I, I think I picked uh, SMU to win by a touchdown, but um, didn't feel really comfortable about it. But um, I'm not going to pronounce his name because I'll butcher it. Navy's coach, uh, Ken. I'll just say that Ken. He's been phenomenal, I think, for for them, and. Uh, I think that they've got a, certainly a chance with the way their defense plays, but uh, SMU with with Bouchel there, quarterback, and everything around him, I think uh, SMU comes out on, on top of that one. The other game that's uh, really intriguing to me is sort of a, a play-in game for a bowl, and that's Oregon State. Who would have thought Oregon State would be playing for a bowl berth late in the season? And Washington State, uh, a team that's uh, been a little bit disappointing. Yeah, I mean – I think I've said this before, but I'm never one to pick against Mike Leach. Um, and, yeah, that's, I think, also very surprising that Washington State has been a little disappointing this year because I remember them starting the season, you know, pretty hot, and then they ran into UCLA, and things kind of, I don't know, like you a UCLA team who looked like they couldn't score at all like we're never going to like score a touchdown against OU. And then all of a sudden they beat Washington state in this, like, wasn't it like a massively high scoring game? Yes. Uh, so, you know, that, I think that, that Oregon, Oregon state, Washington state game could be a wildly entertaining game. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens in, in PAC 12, uh, action which is always interesting and pac 12 i think if you're an ou fan you've got to pay close attention certainly with with oregon and utah we didn't touch on those two teams but uh you sort of hope against hope that one of them loses in the regular season and oregon you know i uh, i don't say i expect it but oregon state's at least got a chance to make it interesting uh next week in that one so We'll see what happens, but we're going to wrap it up there. Oh, did you have something else to say? Oh, I was just going to say that uh, we shall be a little bit worried because that Barry Trammell is going to destroy us all because he's picked three game, three teams to win that nobody else has. So he we'll could see. he he could uh, do go one of two ways with yep. that. 
So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But thank you so much for joining the Sooners Extra Podcast. The Sooners Extra Podcast is presented by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Once again, I'm Ryan Aber. You can reach out to me through email, R-A-B-E-R at oklahoman.com or on Twitter at R-Y-A-B-E-R. I'm Abby Bitterman at Abby Bitterman at Abby underscore. Don't forget the underscore Bitterman on Twitter. Um, and in the joke that never gets old, <laughs> a bitter man at oklahoman.com. So thank you so much for joining us. You can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere. We'll be back uh, after the game Saturday with the post-game edition of the Sooners Extra Podcast. <laughs>